0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today.
1: Well, good morning. I uh, tried to find how I could incorporate 1 Corinthians into my lesson this morning, since we've been in it all week, but uh, no luck. So uh, let's turn to Romans, chapter eight. Let's kind of start off there this morning. You know, it's amazing. I, you know, you follow a pastor and some of the other teachers, and with Brother Kaufman here all week, I, I just realize how inadequate I am to be here. You know, to, to listen to those men speak and and to share what they have to share and especially with Brother Kaufman in that, you know, I would say the, you know that hometown, old woods kind of style of, of, of bringing forth the word. It, you know, it's just amazing, you know, how God can use men from wherever to, to bring forth his word. So let's go to eight, eight Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25 to start with. It says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if he hope for that we have seen not, then do we with patience wait for it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning, and, Father, for the opportunity to come to your uh, house. Thank you, Father, for your word, and just pray that you be with the teachers again this morning, and just pray, Lord, that uh, you use me this morning as uh, you see fit. Just pray that your word goes forth, and we thank you in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I want to do a little review. It's been a couple of weeks and you know I think Pastor has set this precedent that you know we need to follow to kind of go back and review. And I promise I won't take twenty minutes to go through reviews so that we're there. So well that's very nice. I would ask whose that is, but we'll just you can leave your ten dollars at the pulpit. because uh, that's normally what we charge. We tell people in a meeting that you know, if your phone goes off it's either 5 or $10 depending upon the, the, the level of people we have in our meeting, you know, so that uh, we can at least pay for the donuts that we try to get. So, um, so a little review, we went through, we, the topic that we've been going through is hope. And, you know, we're at a point in this world where everyone is hoping for something. You know, they're hoping for that next big promotion, they're hoping for that job, they're hoping for that loved one, they're hoping for something to happen. And so we started to talk a little bit about that a couple weeks ago. And as we started this, we realized that often we become disappointed because our hope and our expectations are sometimes not what God has in store for us. So as we look at hope and we looked at how we should turn our lives and work our lives to have hope, um, Jesus wants us to have hope. I mean, as we just read, everything that we read in there is, we we're hoping for something to come, but yet yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how we reach out to that. Romans five three through five says this, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, but the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Romans fifteen thirteen, now that now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace believing that ye may abound in hope through power of the Holy Ghost. So our lives are set on hope. We're always hoping for something. And, you know, even as, and it's good to see Aaron this morning, as Aaron went through the the salvation plan and how to reach people for Christ, often the answer we get is, well, I hope so. I hope I'm going to end up in heaven. And then it's our direction to give them that hope. To show them how to get to heaven, we took from hope where our hope is in is in God, and how is God is able? God is able to do all things. I wish I'd have had Isaac's kids up here. They saying during the revival, He is able. Well, that's what He is. He is able. He, we talked about many factors that what He is able to do. He's able to save us. Well, that in itself gives us hope. I mean, our our lives are are nothing without the hope of salvation. He's able to keep us from sin. You know, it's that direction that he gives us that there's no sin that we've, that no temptation that we face that he hasn't. So he gives us that background, that knowledge on how to avoid it. He's able to supply our needs, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, not particularly our wants, but our needs. He's able to heal us. He builds us up in grace He's able to, to meet, to over and exceed our expectations. And he's able to fulfill his promises. Hope is defined as to cherish a desire with anticipation. It's to want something to be happen or be true. Now, hope and faith are somewhat similar. And the way, I, the way I'm reading this in, in the study that I've done is hope is more of a, is a thought than an action, although there is part of that is an action of hope. But really, there's a there's an anticipation of what hope is. And we'll get into faith next week and the difference between the two, but there's a lot of similarity. It's a desire with expectation to obtain a fulfillment. I mean, there's always something that we're looking for. Like we said, you know, is it that job that you're looking for to, to get that? Is that um, some kind of financial hope that you'll be able to pay something off or to be able to afford something. To strive to a goal. And that's what hope's all about. It's working to there. It's to expect with confidence. I mean if we look at hope, if we hope God will save us and we're not having the confidence that he can, then where are we? I mean there's some of that where our hope has to be on a positive level. It's not static or passive. I mean there is something that hope is a, it's dynamic, it's active. It's something that you are encouraging your life to, to really set yourself for reward. Although there is a responsibility that we have to help see hope come to fruition. Proverbs thirteen twelve, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but he feareth the commandments shall be rewarded. Let's turn to 1 Samuel, chapter 1. A familiar, familiar story for a lot of us. And it's gonna, we're going to talk about how hope rolls into this. This is the story of Hannah, one that, again, you're familiar with. I'm going to start in verse 2 because verse 1, there's too many big words, and I'm going to mess up, so we'll start in verse 2. We'll read down through verse 20. And it says, and he had two wives. The name of one of them was Hannah, and the name of the other was Pena. And Pena had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship, to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hathia and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Pena, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters' portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary, which I thought was interesting, her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Annika, her husband, to her, Hannah, why believest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not uh, better th- to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in wit bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore." And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid, man-child, that I will give unto him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirits. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. hereto. Then Eli answered his son and said, Go in peace, and the Lord and the God of Israel grant thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. We'll stop there. So the, the story is familiar. First of all, I thank God that things have changed because I don't know how somebody could deal with two wives. I mean, I love my wife, but I don't know how I'd had. I deal with another you know so I just want to get that on record but that's the problem that you can see now the problem that happens when you have more than one wife is that there's always a constant competition Hannah was a godly woman but for some reason which we know well we'll, you know the reason why her womb was shut so she was sad her hope that she had had to have children wasn't there and her husband loved her. Her husband loved her so much that he gave her double portions. Because I, I, I got to believe he knew, although as we read through there, he's trying to explain, well, you know, aren't I better than many sons? Well, that, to me it sounded like I'd get my head slapped if I made that comment. But because you know that that's what, that's what a woman wants. You know, she wants to have children. She wants to be able to especially when you have that other wife in the household going, look at all my kids, you ain't got anything. You know, it's that constant constant reminding that she was not able to give her husband what he needed. Her crisis was prolonged. We read that it had taken time and time that they had yearly gone to the temple to pray. And she was a, a woman of prayer. She believed, through reading what the scripture has to say, she believed that God could, be, could deliver her a child. She didn't understand why, but she believed that she could. That's why she honestly went year after year and prayed. In verse 10, if we look back to there, it says, And she was bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she was really now taking this to heart. How often do we have something that we pray about and we really go to tears to pray about it? I mean, Pansy's not in here so I can mention this. Is that when I see her come out of her prayer closet, she's been weeping. I don't know what she's been praying for. I would imagine she's praying for her children. Hopefully she's praying for her husband. Um, she prays for all of you. And when she comes out of there, She's broken. And I can really imagine at this point Hannah was at her last straw. She still had that hope that God would deliver, still deliver, and yet she went so into prayer that she wept. Again, how often do we take beside a loved one that we've been praying for? You know, that, And that's kind of what this reminded me of, of. Do you have a loved one that you've been praying that would come to know the Lord? I mean, for, for me that was my parents, now most of my parents are, are gone and I honestly don't know where they are I would guess that my dad's not in heaven my mom maybe, she heard enough of the gospel that she may have, may or may not have made a profession of faith she never, she lived a life that you would think was a, one of a Christian but she never confessed it but yet we all went to prayer on a regular basis for my mom, did we do it Sorefully, like Hannah did. Uh, maybe there were times. But how about for you? Are there, is there something in your life that you're really hoping that God will intervene, that, you, that you've prayed for for years? Do you still continue to pray? I know it's frustrating when we don't see God deliver in our time, but God has a reason. And that's what was interesting when you look at Hannah's life. Because we know that her son, the one that she gave back to the Lord, was Samuel. And it was at the right time, at the right circumstances, was she allowed to have that child. That if she'd have had him earlier, he may not have been able to do the work that he was destined to work. Pastors testified many times from his trips to the Philippines of seeing people come forward and seeing the pools of tears after they leave. You know, that's somebody who's broken, somebody who's really calling out to the Lord. And how often do we do that? In verse 11, it says, And she vowed a vow, and said to the Lord, of hosts, If thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. I think that's interesting. She just didn't want a child but she wanted a son then i will give him unto the lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head that was a big thing back then we know from samson that you know no razor touched his head until he fell away from the god and had to be punished for that in her prayer she let god know that he would gain through answering her do we when we pray, when we ask the Lord to intervene, when we ask the Lord, do we often consider how God will benefit, or do we often just look at what we 're going to get out of it? I mean we often when we and we often go to prayer and this and I can't say this for everyone I know it's sometimes sometimes true with me a lot is that i 'm looking for something to happen i'm looking for you know a door to open or a door to close, or i'm looking for God to provide something. What do I often realize, and I know I don't, how God will benefit? And again, when we talked about hope a few weeks ago, we talked about understanding how God's will falls into this. And when we take, and take the time to understand how God can benefit through what we're asking, and what we're praying for, how different would our prayer be? I mean, instead of thinking about us, we think about God. And that's what was interesting through Hannah's prayer is that she was looking for what God was going to get out of it. You know, um, she was looking to give her son back to God. It wasn't just so that she'd have that son that she could raise and have to deal with all the fun of raising children. You know, because those of us that have children know that there are points and times where we're like, you want to take them back? But, uh, you know, we love our children and we're glad that God has given them to us as, as a blessing. But, you know, she was ready to, to, we- to take him up, to wean him in and give him back to the ministry. I mean, that's, that's really a commitment. But that's where God was able to have his will done and seen there. She wanted to give back to God through all of that was there. Flip my next change even though God had delayed answering her prayer. When he did, what a blessing that she had. What I can imagine as she sat through the years and watched how Samuel grew and how Samuel was really abused with the Lord to sit back and go, thank you, God. Thank you for taking the time to answer that prayer to bring it to me. Let's flip over to First Kings. This is when you sit there, and you're listening to messages before you come up, and you're going like, I hope they don't go this direction, because they're going to spoil my message. But they didn't. This is why I wish that work. I normally stack these so I know where they're at, but I forgot this one. 1 Kings 18. Again, a familiar portion of scripture. Um, We've heard a number of messages on Eli through this. And again, not having to go back and read all the history, but you know what's happened. The people of Israel have turned their backs on God. And God is using Elijah to bring forth a proclamation of a drought. He's gone to Ahab and said, it's not going to rain. And then we know that God has taken up I think it was Brother Schmig, I'm going to think, that talked about the little competition at the mount between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. I'm not going to get into that part of it. But in verse 18 and in verse 37, it says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. So through all of this that's happened, the people now have turned their hearts back to him. But in verse 18 through 1, And it came to pass, After many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah has the promise. He's been told that rain is coming. Now, it would have been very, very easy for him to go, Okay, I've got this victory here on the mount. I can just sit back and wait for the rain. God's promised it. God has told me that it's coming. But he takes it, so he has that hope that it's coming. But he does something else. In verse 18, chapter 18, verses 41 through 46, it says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is something, there is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the mean, while that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode, and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So even though he had the hope that the rain was coming. He had the assurance that it was coming. Elijah still went to prayer. And he just didn't go and pray once. He prayed seven times. And as he prayed, he would ask his servant, hey, go check and see if it's raining. Now, I didn't know if he did that so that he knew it was going to stop. But I would have bet that after the seventh time, had it not rained yet, he'd have prayed again and it had not rained after that time, he'd have prayed again. There was an action in that prayer, even though there was hope that it was coming, even though they had the assurance it was coming, there was a prayer. Are you starting to see the link? There's, There's a link of hope with prayer. Is that we just can't hope for something to happen and just let it go. There has to be prayer that ties with it. And that's where Elijah was. He was there to go back and look to see what was there. Now, he could have been, again, very disappointed. I mean, he would have thought, look, God told me it was going to rain. I've done everything he's asked me to do. He's just brought a big victory. Because if you look at the prayer that he, that he prayed to bring the light or the fire down from heaven, it was one time and there it was. So why would he not have thought that if I pray one more time for rain... Would it not be there but yet he was committed in his prayer to be there until the rain had came but not always do we see our hope answered in the direction that we want it to go even through prayer even through multiple times prayer let's turn to second Corinthians I was close I got as close as I could get to Corinthians but let's go to 2 Corinthians, chapter 12. Paul's vision. We'll read down through verse 12. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such as one caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Of such one will I glory, yet of myself will I not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But not I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or that he heareth of me. At lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I will take pleasure in the infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So here's Paul. Again, you know, we kind of heard this week of, the Corinthians and how they were always trying to segregate themselves under a certain teaching, under a certain man. But here's Paul being humble. And here's Paul to a point where to make sure that he doesn't put himself above or if any time he think himself too good, God allowed a thorn. Now, a pastor may say his thorn is Phil Westheimer or Doug Raby. And that, you know, just when he wants to get a little... Uppity, Doug and Phil come along and, you know, and he's prayed more than thrice for us to be removed. He was lucky with Joel. Joel's not here, but Doug and I are still here. <laughs> I, never mind. <clears throat> yeah, see, and he had three. He got rid of one. So, you know, that's, that's because, you know, we're here to keep him humble. But that's part of what this thorn was. We don't know what that thorn is. I mean, I I was trying to read through, trying to do some other study. That's exactly what that thorn was. But the Bible's not clear and nobody knows and everybody's just guessing. So, you know, I can say that Doug and I can be thorns. But he'd asked for that to be removed. And it must have been a problem for him that he asked three times. You know, and you would have thought Paul being who Paul was, you'd have thought one prayer and it'd have been gone. But he came to a point in his life that he just realized it was here for a reason. It was here to keep him humble. It was there so that when people looked at him they wouldn't put him on that pedestal. It must have been something that was a constant reminder. But yet Paul came to a point in his life that he always knew that God could have taken that away but there was a reason why he sought out God's will to understand what it was all about and then he accepted it because he realized as it says in verse 9 and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness and then as Paul says in verse 10 therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in necessities and persecution in distress for Christ's sake For when I am weak, then I am strong. So he knew where that power was coming from. That even though things were tough and things were hurtful or painful, that because he would count upon God as a reminder, as this thorn was a reminder of exactly where his power was from, it wasn't from him. It was all of the Lord. And that encouraged him to go through what he needed to go through. In closing, there's a song. I'm not going to sing it, promise. But the words say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to veil his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant and blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, when, here then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So I challenge you this morning as you go out, when you think that your hope is, well, is starting to fail, when you start to look at things around you and go like, God, why am I here? I don't understand. Understand that go to prayer ask God for help ask God to Give you victory over whatever situation you're in Ask him for his will so that you can understand where it's come from you may not understand it But you'll get the peace and realize that everything we do is based on the solid rock that when we take our focus off of God, which we've talked about a couple of different times when we take our focus off Him and start to divert it on other things. It's all sinking sand. Dale, close the word.